Thank you for listening to WNLA's Sermon of the Week. Visit our website at wnla.church for ways to partner with us and to connect with our ministries. Here is this week's sermon. Happy Palm Sunday, everyone. God is good. Amen. I want to, uh, in the time we have left, I want to paint a picture of what Palm Sunday may have looked like. Uh, I know maybe we all have the, uh, the Sunday school vision of it where, where uh, all those, the people are frozen in their flannel graph and you've got coats all over the ground and palms, you know, and they're waving palms. All that's true. All that's good. But, but the truth of the matter is Palm Sunday uh, was m- deeply more profound than that. Deeply more profound than, than the big celebration. That It was a spectacle, it really was. But, it, but it was, it's more than, than Zeb standing up here screaming, Merry Christmas! And, yeah, I know, Santa! you know, all those things. Like, it's more than us getting super excited. It was a profoundly ginormous spectacle. They're actually, you know, now we, we, we know when they threw the coats down and they waved the palm branches, they were, they were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they, they, they shouted that. Um, it's actually more than just a quick little chant that they made up on the moment. They're actually, in that moment, quoting scripture. They're actually... Uh, more, more probably, they were singing a song. Because what they're quoting is something out of the Hallel, which is Psalm 118. And in fact, the Hallel, we'll show, we'll, we'll show you here, the Hallel is Psalm 113 to 118. All those chapters of the Bible. That's called the Hallel. Now, in, in the Hebrew culture, on the major holidays, especially Passover, these songs, this was their hymn set. This was their song list. Every time. And in fact, Psalm 18, they, they would, or excuse me, Psalm 18, Psalm 18, they would, they would sing the last 10 verses at least twice. So those of you who aren't into the repetitive worship, well, I'm sorry. It's biblical, all right? So, so this is what they're shouting, and I'm going to read it to you in a minute, but I want to paint a picture that this is more than just a quick chant and a woohoo and a braha moment. Why was Jesus coming in to, the, to Jerusalem in the first place? Because it was Passover season. That's why he was coming. And, and Passover is the biggest Jewish holiday. Like, it, it's, I realize our biggest holiday because of all, it's Christmas. Like, we make a huge spectacle out of Christmas. Now, now Passover is like that, but, but without the Santa and the stockings and the candy canes. It's holy and it's huge. All right. In fact, um, uh, I want you to get a picture. I, I took this. This is a. I didn't take this picture, but this is this is a, this is Passover 2019, right before COVID. Um, and it that if you've ever been there, in fact, is it 27 days will be there, something like that. Uh, not to brag, but I'll be here. Uh, at, at, this is the Wailing Wall. That's actually the the support. It goes up to the Temple Mount, uh, and it, it gets packed out at Passover. Because there is, I mean, it's a holy, holy day, okay? Now, in Jesus' time, the Wailing Wall wasn't a thing. It was there, but they could actually go up on top. 
and it was pa- it would Passover. In fact, it would be packed out on Passover, of course, but it really was Passover season. Because what would happen is kind of like maybe in your family, Christmas season comes, several days before, the family shows up and crashes at your house, and you start the celebration. We're going to go caroling this night, we're going to have cookies this night, we're going to sing songs. It's the whole season and the buildup. Now, in Jerusalem, it was even, it was even bigger than that, because people, for, for, to offer their sacrifice, to do it properly, it needed to be in Jerusalem. So the scripture tells us that people from all over were there. They had already, they were there, they were packing out, they would be going to the Temple Mount daily, they would, this, it would be like the Christmas season. So I want you to get a picture, this is Passover season. They're making their Passover cookies, eating their Passover candy canes, and singing their Passover halal. The halal was the Christmas carols of Passover. I'm just trying to give us a parallel that we can get a little bit of a richer, maybe a little deeper understanding. So, so this, is, this is what's happening, and this is fresh in their mind. It's not like us. Now, many, raise your hand if you can quote all of Psalm 113 through 118. I bet you every man, woman, and child in Israel could at this time, because it was a song. It, it, you could quote the, song, the, the lyrics to some of your favorite hymns. Who can sing Amazing Grace by, by heart? How sweet the sound. This is, you have to get your, get your mind in a little bit of a different, different rhythm here. We, we have a hard time memorizing the Psalms because it doesn't just roll off the tongue, mostly. Because it was written in the Hebrew language. And it was written in a poetic form, and it was sung. And now we read it, we translate it into English, and, and you know, it, it's beautiful, but it does, doesn't always roll off the tongue quite like that, and so it's a little harder to memorize. And there's a lot of Psalms. I mean, we're already at 118 here, and it keeps going. Uh, but this was their songbook. And these were the profound, prophetic Psalms that they would sing. Psalm 113 to 118, specifically those last 10 verses, these were, this was called the Hallel. Okay? Now, like I said, I pointed out, out this picture. Here they are. In fact, go to my, I have another picture. Uh, if you go to that one, uh, this, this is standing on the Mount of Olives, okay? It didn't look quite like this back in Jesus' day because there was no graveyard surrounding the entire valley. It was, it was a beautiful valley, and there was a road that, that came from the Temple Mount. In fact, where Jesus raised Lazarus was a, was a little ways further back in Bethany. You've got the Garden of Gethsemane on the Mount of Olives, and then you've got this path that leads around and goes up through the gate. Okay? Um, the gate there, it's, it's the, the Golden Gate or the Eastern Gate. You can see it's not really much of a gate anymore. It's completely sealed up by, by bricks. Um, and uh, in fact, that, that was built after Jesus. The foundation stone for the temple, for the, the gates there, are still there that would have been there at Jesus' time, but they've been rebuilt over there. Um, now, what, I, what I've been told and what I've heard, the reason there's a cemetery here is because, um, as you know, the Jews are waiting for the Messiah to, to come. And, and they believe the Messiah has to enter through the eastern or the golden gate. And of course, uh, it, you cannot, to be kosher and clean, you cannot, you cannot go through a graveyard because you become ceremonially unclean and unfit. And so they, you got all these, all, these, all these graves buried here because there's no way to approach that gate without passing graves. Um, and this is one of the things I've been told. Also, uh, because it, it's sealed up, no, we, the Messiah can't come through the gate. Now, I want to give you a little spoiler alert. Jesus already went through that gate. And so I'm just trying to give you a picture uh, of what Palm Sunday was a little bit more, more like. Um, so here we have the big 
Passover season. That Temple Mount up there, those trees wouldn't have been there, right? Those were all planted after the fact, and they tried to make it look nice. Big, big flat area, the, the, the Jewish temple would have been up there, and people would have been packed out in the courts of the Gentiles. It would have been, it would have been, it would have been bought. It had been like going to Disneyland on, on a holiday. <laughs> you can't move around very much. But it's important to be there, and it's a holy thing. Now, now just like I'm standing here on the Mount of Olives, I can see onto the Temple Mount. They could also see over, you, on the Temple Mount, you can see over to the the, the Mount of Olives. So I want us to get a little bit of a picture here. Packed out with people. And everybody in Israel knew Jesus. He'd been ministering and performing miracles. The Bible said he healed everybody who came to him. And he was preaching and they, they knew him. And many believed he was the Messiah. Some thought he could be. And some would just wanted to see the spectacle. And, and, and here, here they are packed out people from all over Israel and beyond, up on the Temple Mount, and they look and they see a prophecy being fulfilled in their eyes. Zechariah 9.9, I'll read it to you. It says this. This is a prophetic, a prophetic verse about the Messiah. This was alive and well. It was written lots and lots of years before Jesus showed up on the scene. But it says this, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now imagine the spectacle. If you were one of the people that believed Jesus was the Messiah, or you'd seen the miracles, you'd heard the stories, and now you see Jesus riding the foal of a donkey down the Mount of Olives. That's where he came. And up to the gate. Somebody put the pieces together. In fact, I'm sure tons of people did. Because what we know, what happened, was all of a sudden the people are going crazy. They grab all the palms. They, they, they line the streets leading up to that gate. And, in, and they throw their coats down. And they're waving palm branches. Why palm branches? Because in every culture at that time, Greek, Roman, palm was a signal. This is victory. That's what you'd give the winners of the Olympics. That's what you'd give the winners of the war. They'd wave these palm branches. And so what they were saying is we've won. The king's here. And it would have stirred up the entire crowd and people are starting to sing the Hallel a few days early. So you can imagine if you were one of the high priests, if you were a Pharisee, if you were against Jesus, how angry this would make you. You're opening the Christmas presents too early! It's not Christmas Day, it's not Passover yet. And yet here they are singing the Hallel. Because when they come, in fact, we should read that so we, we, under, we, we can get a picture of it. I'm going to read to you Psalm 118, the last 10 verses. These are, this is the chorus they repeat. This is the chorus they would have repeated at least twice. But, you know, if we had been there, we would have done it 20 times. Here we go. Starting in verse 19 of 118, it says this. Open for me the gates of righteousness. Uh, of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you have answered me. Have, uh, you become my salvation. The stone that the builder rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done this this very day. Let us rejoice and be glad. Lord save us. Lord grant us success. This is Hosanna. Lord save us. Lord grant us success. It's in the Hebrew, Yasha'an Ana. Hosanna, all right? 
We've translated it into English. This is what, what it says. It says, Lord, save us. Grant us success. Hosanna! Verse 26. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. you they're, in the, they're standing by the house of the Lord. They're screaming out to Jesus. Hosanna! Well, imagine the spectacle. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God. He has made... His light shine on us. We, with bows in hand, join the... With bows in hand, we join the... You, ah! you guys, I'm a little bit of a geek, okay? Like, get me started on Star Wars or things like... But, like, get me started on these details in Scripture. It's like, wow. It's so much richer and profound than, than, we, than we understand. There's so much depth there. With bows in hand, join the festival procession up to the horns of the altar... And you are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures forever. Hallelujah! Hosanna! Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Shaking the palm branches, throwing their coats down. They don't care what happens to those coats anymore. The King has arrived. And there he was, and he's fulfilling scripture. Can you imagine? It, 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 the only thing I can compare it to is when we see Jesus ascending from heaven again. And the trump sound. Like you're seeing it be fulfilled in your eyes. I would love to go back in time and be part of that procession. I would, I would wear this shirt and we'd make a big deal of it and people would throw me off the Temple Mount. But here we go. So they see Jesus coming in. They grab the palms. They're waving it in procession. The king is a peace. We've, we've made victory. Now they're coming off of, of this hundreds of years of being oppressed and ruled. They have not been a free people. Since, since before the exile into Babylon. And now it was one ruler to the other, and Rome is putting their heavy thumb on them. And this is what they're longing for, the Messiah to come. The Messiah to come. And this was it. And he comes. Now Jesus, Jesus comes. You read, it in, you read it in Scripture. He does. He comes up through. He goes through the gate. He comes up onto the Temple Mount, and he doesn't just skip around. He immediately turns tables of the money changers who are up there taking advantage of all the pilgrims. He, takes, he, he does all of that. And then the scripture says he starts to heal everybody. All the sick, all the lame. He's literally, he starts performing miracles. And, and as a result, the kid, it's, they, he gets surrounded by children who are up there as well on the Temple Mount. And the children are, say, are saying what? Hosanna! They're singing the song. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they, the Bible says they surround him and they start singing this, this, they start shouting this song. It must have been something like, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they just sang it on repeat. Sang it on repeat because out of the mouths of babes. In fact, that's what the Pharisees and the high priest said to him. Don't you hear what they're saying, Jesus. Tell them to be quiet. Shut these kids up because they're calling you the Messiah. And what does Jesus respond? He says, have you not heard? Out of the mouths of infants I have, you have ordained praise. What is he saying by that? He's saying, have you not heard? This is what has to happen. I am the Messiah. He's telling them point blank. I am he. It's appropriate that they sing this song about me. And so it's no wonder that only a few days later he's hanging on a cross. Because these teachers of the law, the Pharisees, those with those ex they were so angry. This was it. This was 
aggravating. He tipped their tables. He healed the sick, and, and people were singing Hosanna to him, waving the palm branch of victory. The king has arrived. I imagine the kids were doing their tic-tac dances as they sang. Kids know how to celebrate better than the rest of us. That's why Christmas is so much fun when you're around kids. They just know how to celebrate, which is why this beautiful picture, I mean, yes, everybody does it on the way on, on, the, on this procession, but the kids follow them right up onto the Temple Mount and keep on singing. Sometimes they don't know when to be quiet, and that's okay. Amen? I also read about this word Hosanna, and, and, and the word actually changes its meaning depending on the context. It goes from save us, in a certain context, to hooray, we're saved, in another context. And in this context, they, they're saying, hooray, we're saved. It would be like this, if, we can, if you can indulge me a little bit. It would be like you are from, you're a high school basketball player. Let's, go, let's use that analogy. And you're in the state tournament. You're, at, you're, at, you're in the final game, and, uh, and you're down by 30 with one quarter left. And you're like, whoa, it's pretty much like this. You feel pretty like lost. And LeBron James comes walking onto the court. You would be like, oh, we're saved. Just give the ball to him every time. This is the feeling. Like they, they, they were totally feeling like they were, they were losing. And then the, this is what the Messiah meant. I mean, more than a basketball game, obviously. But to give you a glimpse of, of what they're feeling on Palm Sunday, this is it. Game over. We're winning. We win. But the game takes an unexpected turn, doesn't it? Santa did not come down the chimney the way they had hoped he would or the way they had imagined he would. The same crowd, the same group, Rejoicing mightily, screaming, singing, started the few days later on Friday saying, crucify him, kill him, crucify him. The story took a turn that was not in their playbook. This Friday, I would invite you to join us for our Good Friday Tenebrae service, because that's what we're going to be looking at. It's called a darkening service. And it's not a darkening of Scripture. It's a darkening of our expectations in our personal scripts where Jesus went on to follow Scripture, not our script. I'll say that again. Where Jesus went on to follow Scripture, not your and my personal script, how I'd want it to be written. That's the profoundness of it. They were just celebrating the most profound thing in their lives, seeing prophecy be fulfilled. Jesus going into the temple. I came to a revelation about myself, um, not this week, but the week before. This is kind of hard to talk about. <laughs> I, I'm a bit of a romantic, if you would believe it. Not in the way you're thinking. Uh, a romant romantic is, is a form of literature where it's about epic heroes and, 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 and tales that all end perfectly according to the script. 
right? Now, there's romance, uh, love in there and all of that too, but, but, but romantic literature is essentially an epic tale, a heroic tale where it follows perfectly, and it's very, very perfect ending. Well, uh, this last week, if you'll indulge me for a few more minutes, my Duke Blue Devils were in, uh, in the semifinals of the championship of the NCAA basketball game. Now, here's the deal. Like, I, 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 I didn't ever watch college basketball until I met Stephanie. This is true, okay? But, uh, but I'm like, you know what? I love this woman. I'm going to invest where she wants me, well, where I can spend time with her. So I spent, it was 1999, I, I watched the entire uh, March Madness, and during that I was taking mental notes. Which teams do I, because I didn't know who to be a fan of. I picked two teams, I picked the Blue, Duke Blue Devils, even though they didn't win that year, and I pl- picked the Temple Owls for some reason. I just liked them. I'm like, these are my teams. I bought, even bought the shirts, all right? So uh, Duke was my, was my team. That year, our first year of marriage, they of course won the championship game. And I think they won it three other times throughout the course of the last 20 years. Should have been more if you ask me. But, so anyway, where am I going with all this? Coach, coach K, this is, he's been the most amazing coach in sports history. And uh, anyway, this was his year. He was retiring, right? This was, his, this was it. He's finally going to hang it up after all these years. And as I watched the, the tournament progress, I'm like, this is it. And, and here's the beautiful script in my mind. This will be so perfect. Because now they're meeting in the semifinals, the University of North Carolina. My cousin Cameron's here today just to rub it in. Uh, but uh, you, you, some of you are completely lost here. But University of North Carolina, Duke, they've been arch rivals forever. And I thought, this is so, you couldn't script this better. Coach K, and they never get to meet them in the tournament because it just doesn't ever work out that way. They've played lots of other times outside. They're in the same division. But here in Coach K's last tournament, the big hurrah, the semifinals, they're going to destroy University of North Carolina to proceed to the championship where Coach K will arise victoriously for his one final bow. I started watching that game. And I, I was at my, my uh, in-law's home. I left the house. I left everybody. I got in my Jeep and I just went home. I can't handle this kind of stress. Because my script wasn't quite following uh, the way I wanted it to. I got a text at halftime. Hey, it's half. They're up. Get back in the car and I drove back. And, and, and I, I couldn't sit down, but I, I stood there the whole time watching the second half of this game as the University of North Carolina, inspired by Satan himself, started... <laughs> Okay, that's a little stretch. And I, I, I don't know why I'm nervous eating all these orange slices and everything. And, and we, got to the fi- we got to the very end, and it, it could have happened. Could, and then at, buzzer goes, Duke loses. And I thought, is there a God? No, I didn't think that. But the truth is, like, why was I so devastated? Because I had romanticized and written a script in my head. Like, because I've watched Duke lose before, not often, but I'd watched... And it it didn't hit me quite as hard, but I had really blown this beautiful picture of what would be perfect happening. And and, uh, and it didn't go according to the script that I had written. And I I tell that that lighthearted story a bit because maybe we can empathize a little bit with the people of that day who, I mean, imagine the spectacle of Palm Sunday. And they're writing, like the script was written, the king had come. And they go from that moment to Friday 
where everything, like Jesus went off of their script. Now, I want to be careful here. Jesus did not go off scripture, but he went off of their script. And as a result, a lot of people threw him out, threw him out of their hearts, moved him out of their minds, got rid of him as the Messiah in, the, in, their, in their expectations. Here's the problem. Jesus fulfilled every prophetic scripture about the Messiah, but he didn't fulfill everybody's opinions and, script, and scripts in their brain about what the Messiah should and be. Our script, everybody, our script that we write in our heads is so limited to what we can see, what we know. And what we, it, it's just super duper limited. You read in scripture over and over. Look at Ephesians 3.20. It says this, Now all glory to God, all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. He's he, infinitely more. That means infinite, infinity more than you could ever dream, ask, or think. I think of another scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.9. It says, that is what scripture means when it says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Like over and over, it's like, listen, you can't even imagine it. Your script is limited to your imagination. And Jesus is being very clear, like no imagination can even fathom what I'm about to do. No mind can, has even come close to fathoming the plan, the actual plan. That's why this, this sermon today is called Greater Than Expectations. It's the title of our message. Palm Sunday was our expectations. Oh, it seemed like it was all going to be met. Good Friday, Jesus goes off script. Easter Sunday is greater than expectations. Everybody look at me. I, I, I want to promise you one thing. If you haven't experienced this already, you will. Jesus will go off your script. He'll diverge from your story that you've written in your mind. He won't leave Scripture. Don't, that's not what I'm saying. He'll fulfill everything the Scripture says. But he will go in tangent from what your romanticized storyline should be now here's the promise though because in those moments this is where we're like this is the, the, the despair of, of that moment the truth of the matter is he's going off script because his script is better than yours he has something infinitely more profound and beautiful that he's about to write in your life in the world in history that then you have planned or thought or imagined infinitely more he will go off your script. My high school drama director always would get angry at us if we did not follow the script direct. Like if you tried to ad-lib something, she would tell us that is dishonorable to the author of the, of the, of the no, but it, my, my way's better. No, you follow the script that the author wrote. Now here's the deal. Jesus will go off of your script because he's the author, not you. He's not doing it to dishonor you. He's doing it to profoundly and infinitely more exceed your expectations, both now and in, in all eternity. He is the author. As I said, in, in that, that, that first Palm Sunday, the script that everybody wanted it to follow was a rerun episode of the kingdom of, of King David and Solomon. 
Yes, remember when we were the best in all the world. And the people, they would come to Jerusalem. Yes, we kept them in the court of the Gentiles. They couldn't come into the true holy place. Only us Jews could. But, but remember, we were the world power. And they were expecting a Messiah that would come and restore and rerun that episode. Maybe a little bit better. But Jesus had a bigger game in store. He had the whole world. Not just the Jewish people. Now, he loves them dearly. It's not diminishing them. He's just saying yes and everybody along with. It would be like, back to my story, you're at the high school basketball championship and LeBron James shows up. And, and he, he comes out on the court, fourth quarter, and you're like, we're going to do this. And he's like, actually, we got a, better, we got a different game we're going to play. We're in the NBA now. <laughs> we're in the World Olympics. We're going to win the whole world title, not just your high school state B championship game. We're going to win it all. No, I want to win the, sta the state game. You win the world, you win the state game. And so he went, he goes off script because he's so much better than just our ability. So my question to us today, is Doug going to have Stephanie come and uh, we're going to conclude with, some, with just a reflection and some little worship here. Here's the question I want, to th I want to ask you. Will you still yell, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord when he doesn't follow your script for the day? When he doesn't follow your script for the year or the month? Will you still yell, Hosanna, to Jesus, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord because you trust that he has a bigger picture in store for you. I, I think of uh, those of us who've lost loved ones, and, and, uh, and we, it's such a profound moment, and it can be a despairing moment and all of that. But, but the scripture also tells us even in those moments that in Psalm 116, it says, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Why? Because it doesn't fit our script, like it, our romanticized script. When the truth is like, his kingdom has no end. Like, the best leadership books will tell you, you always start with the end in mind. Here's what the end is. Not us sitting in this room for eternity. The end is a new heaven, a new earth. A kingdom, like everybody, all the saints before us, all of us, the, the great Hallel. It's going to be the biggest party of all time, but it's a bigger script than I can understand at the moment. So the question is, Will you still say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna, even in your darkest, most disappointing turn of events? So if you'll stand with me, I'm going to have the worship. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to conclude with it as well. And as we do, I just want you to talk to the Lord. If you've been going through a dark time, Maybe it's just as simple as you saying, Hosanna, blessed are you that come in the name of the Lord. I will trust you. I will keep on trusting you forever and ever and declaring it is well with my soul. And then we'll conclude.
is so good. Uh, as we're singing, I'm reminded of 
like, I feel like the past month, we've just had testimonies and testimonies. And today, the testimony where, where we're reminded that God's script is far better than ours. Like Naomi talked about how she did not expect that at all. Like that was not her expectation, right? She had a different plan, but God's script is far better. Um, so, man, Jesus, thank you so much that your script is so much better than ours, God. And uh, I just ask that you would help us and allow us to lay down our pride and just humble ourselves before you, God, and just say, Jesus, lead the way. Take the script and lead our lives, God. We lay down our own script, our own agenda, and we just say, take the lead, God. We trust you, and we know that you have so many amazing things in store for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I encourage you to walk out this week, walk out the weeks to come, and just say, Jesus, lead the way. Take the script, lay down what you want, lay down your own agenda, and just watch God work in your lives as you allow him to direct you. Um, I want to remind you we have some amazing events coming up. Next week is Easter, so we have our Easter service. Uh, but leading up to that, we have our Tenebrae Good Friday service here at 7 o'clock p.m. on Friday. We would love to see you. Invite everyone you know. It is going to be amazing. It's my first one, so I'm really excited. Uh, and then the following day, we have our uh, egg hunt. I want to call it Boots and Baskets because that's what Pastor Andy called it. We have our egg hunt party. It is going to be a blast that is out here at 10 a.m. So bring your kids. Spread the word again. We just want to be a blessing to the community and outreach and just have a great time out here. So we will see you on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Have a bus week and see you guys later. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or if you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit our website at wnla.church.